Recording in progress. Father Lord, we come before you and we are humbled, my God. You've given me revelations about honor and respect. And my God, I pray that wherever we have dishonored you or disrespected any of your patriarchs or our ancestors or our parents or anyone that we may have disrespected or dishonored, whatever the reason, what let us honor them now in the spirit realm. Let us honor those whom you have called and whom you have called to execute the work of Christ Jesus. My God, we pray that your uh, that Abraham be honored, that Isaac and Jacob be honored, that your prophets Elijah and Elijah be honored, my God. And we pray, my Lord, that we move in a wisdom and a knowledge like the ancient prophets. Let me move with a wisdom and a knowledge like the ancient uh, patriarchs. May we move in a devotion and commitment like Enoch, my God. May we have the level of devotion that is second to none like Noah, my God. And may we continue to stay broken and submitted like the apostles, my God, that we can grow into an ever greater consciousness of Christ Jesus. We're searching in the spirit realm, Father God, for the word that you are directing. We're searching in the spirit realm for the thing that you're looking to do in this moment, my God. We yield and we lay down and we fall down and we bow down before you and we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives and that you might sanctify us and purify us. May the fire of the Holy Spirit burn in our mortal bodies, and may we catch on fire that others might come around to watch us burn. We pray, Father God, for your glory and your majesty and your strength, and as we gather every day in the temple courts, my God, to learn of the teachings of Jesus, may you continue to enlighten us, may your spirit continue to be here and to lift us up. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and the body of Christ says, can we get an amen? in the house of God. Amen. 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 Praise God, saints. Praise God. Glory to God. I want to just say that we're here every day in the temple courts. And what did they gather for every day in the temple courts? To learn more and more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to come into a deeper presence and consciousness of Jesus. Hallelujah. It wasn't about the apostles. It wasn't about the, the, the temple courts. It wasn't even about the people. It was about Jesus. And, you know, as I was searching in the spirit realm for what God wanted to minister into this day, into this moment, I pray that I can articulate it in the right way because a lot of revelation that you get in the spirit, you have to then translate into words and you have to communicate it. And so I pray that the movement of the spirit in you be in alignment with the movement of the spirit of this word so that you can hear it as I heard it because it's an amazing word about burning and yearning to be in these temple courts every day for the purpose of becoming a greater magnification of Jesus. You, you were given a name when you were born in the natural, but you also received a name in the spiritual. You know, there's, there's a destiny that each and every one of you have under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a destiny, there's a future, there's a, a place that each one of us has in the glory that God knows in advance. You know, when a child is born, today is the birthday of my daughter, Elizabeth, Deborah, okay? Today is her birthday. And when a child is born, you, 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 get, a, you get an unction. So she was actually named after her aunt and partially also named after the wife of the second patriarch. Hallelujah. And so, and also the mother of, uh, uh, no, excuse me, uh, the mother of John. Hallelujah. And um, I, I think I said the wife of the second patriarch, but that's not right, right? Because Sarah was the first wife. She was the wife of Abraham. And then um, 
and then Rebecca was was Isaac's wife. So yes, Elizabeth is the is the mother of 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 the apostle of of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. And so in part she was named there, and in part she was named after her aunt. And today's her birthday. Praise God. So we're gonna wish her a happy birthday. Hallelujah. And I want to just say that we gave her that name because it was a, a movement at the time, and we believed. And names are so important. Thank you, Pastor Hetty. Hallelujah. And names are so important, right? Names are so important. Uh, my eldest daughter was named after uh, my my mother because uh, my eldest daughter, uh, when she was born, looked a lot like my mother. I saw the spirit of my mother on her, so I named her after her mother, and her name is Cynthia. My eldest son is actually named after his mother because she was the child of his, of her desire. She was des she desperately wanted a child. She desperately wanted a baby, and 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 and. When he was born, I felt like that was God's gift to her, so he got named after her. Now, when you're born again in the spirit realm, you receive a name. Now, some of us, we don't even know what that name is. Some of it is hidden in Christ, and we'll find it out on the day of inspection. But God knew who you would turn out to be from the day you were born. The same way we look at children when they're born in the natural, and we give them a name associated with who we want to honor, or who we want them to be, or who we feel they look like, or who we just feel that we're inspired to name them, and we give them that name. And, some, and in some cases, right, it's really important, like you haggle over what the name is going to be. Names are ever so important, right? But when you were born again in God, your Father in heaven also gave you a name. And for whatever his miraculous wisdom, his, his the mysteries of his infinite wisdom, he may not have yet told you what your name is. Maybe what he wants is for that name to be revealed to you as you continue to seek his face. So to a large extent, you're coming every day in the temple courts to learn more and more about Jesus to find out your name. Hallelujah. And to identify your name. And names represent uh, you know, when you call something a hammer, it's because it's used to hammer things. When you call something a screwdriver, it's because you use it to screw things in. And so when your your name is directly related to your assignment in the spirit realm, hallelujah, and you're, you're, you're seeking that name, but whatever that name is, it will be like Jesus. So really, when we come together every day in the temple courts, we're looking to bear his name, Jesus Christ. We may have an office or, or responsibility within the Christian body, but we are called to bear his name. Hallelujah. And that's the key, bearing the name of Jesus. And so let's look at the father and let's look at the son because the apostles got there, right? And they would there and they would teach them from what their eyes have seen and their hands have touched and their minds have witnessed. Okay. And they would share about the teachings of Christ. And the disciples wanted to know that because though they had the spirit, they could sense a contention in the fullness of their consciousness. And whatever that contention was that they sensed in the fullness of the consciousness, that contention they needed to close the gap on, okay, by learning about the teachings of Jesus. So we're coming here every day in the temple courts to identify our name and to be like him and to learn about his character and his nature and his personality and his ways. And that means that we've got to have some sort of willingness to change. And so I'm going to read two scriptures. You've heard these scriptures before. It's nothing new. But you're going to listen to them now in the spirit. How many of you know the word of God is living and active? 
And so since it's living and active, the meaning it's going to have today will be like, but not exactly the same, the meaning it had when you heard it before. So when it was read to you before, or when you picked it up and read it before, it might have had a meaning to you. Okay, but the meaning you're going to get today will be an even greater meaning than the meaning you received back then. And so open up your Bibles, and we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of John. We're in the book of John. We're in the book of John, the sixth chapter. Hallelujah. Praise God. And in John, the sixth chapter, it says in the 63rd verse, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. I'll say it again. We're only going to read. John 6, 63a. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. So this is the thing. We were born with a name in the flesh. We have a lot of experience with that name, and we have a lot of heritage with that name, and we tend to be very attached to that name. But in order for you to grow into the ever-increasing glory of God. See, I don't want to just release you to get a deliverance from a, momental, a momentary thing. You might need a deliverance from anger. You might need a deliverance from abandonment. You might need a deliverance from lovelessness. You might need a deliverance from insecurity, depression, doubt, worry. You might need a deliverance for some momentary thing. But what I want to talk to you about is a deliverance that's a gift that keeps deliver keeps giving a deliverance that keeps delivering that you don't just operate in a single deliverance but you have a breakthrough anointing where you actually get a deliverance that keeps giving you another deliverance that keeps giving you another deliverance which keeps giving you another deliverance which keeps giving you another deliverance now i believe this word is from the lord you're going to have to test the spirits to test it out for yourself but i believe this word is from the lord the lord is not looking to just deliver you from a momentary thing an isolated situation, a isolated character flaw. He wants to release you into the ever-releasing glory of God, the ever-releasing glory that takes you from a glory to another glory. So this scripture, these scriptures have to become your flagship. You know, when you have a standard or a flag, it represents you. The standard, the image, the flag, its colors, its shape represents you. It, 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 it activates a whole bunch of things. The United States of America has a flag. When that flag raises and they start playing their star-spangled banner and everybody puts their hand on their heart and says the Pledge of Allegiance, this nationalistic movement has a whole spirit behind it. And so these scriptures need to become your flag, okay? These scriptures need to become your standard. Okay, when the nation of Israel marched, they marched by, and they had a flag. They had some kind of flag that represents some sort of crest. Each tribe lined up and carried a standard. Okay, that's right. Each tribe, you can read it. And so they had a flag. And so this needs to be your flagship scriptures for the movement that God is doing with you in this every day in the temple course. Because for you to release into the ever increasing glory, for you to release into your name, Okay, the name that's hidden and has been hidden since the beginning of time didn't get revealed at your natural birth and might not have been revealed at your spiritual birth, but now you're working out the lifestyle of that name even now as we speak. And as you're working out the lifestyle of that name, you are embracing the name and becoming that name. And when Jesus comes, and it may happen before then, but surely when he arrives, he will tell you what that name is just as he turned Simon's name into Peter. 
So God is going to, your, your natural name was your Simon, but your spiritual name is your Peter. And you've got to walk in the Peter, not in the Simon. Some people like to preach that they notice that whenever Peter acted carnally, he would refer to him as Simon. But whenever Peter operated righteously, he would refer to him as Peter. And so that he was trying to teach Peter the difference between the flesh and the spirit. There are a lot of sermons that are preached about that. There's also sermons preached about the transformation of Jacob, who received the name Jacob from his mother, but he received the name Israel from the father. And when he received that name Israel, it meant contended with God and contended with man and prevailed. And in fact, though we are not proud of it, we did also contend with God throughout our life, battling against and with and then against and then with the Holy Spirit as he lifts us up and moves us to obedience and works with our disobedience and our struggle and our worry and our error and our washed by the blood so we can become a better consciousness of Christ. And so we contended with God, and then because man is so wicked and does not love God and does not want to submit to God but is signed up with the devil, we also contend with man. And so we are a living Israel. I want you to start to listen to this because, like I said, these scriptures are going to become your flagship scriptures that are going to release you into an ever-increasing glory. And so we're back in John chapter 6 in the 63rd verse, and it says, The Spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. I want you to hold on to that. That's John 63a. Part B is no slouch either. It says the words I've spoken to you are spirit. So we know that since he ordained the first century eyewitness apostles as the ones to lay down the foundation, and this is why we've canonized their writings and have referred to them as scripture, because they have received directly firsthand the word of the Lord to lay the foundation for the church. And so now we've canonized the apostolic scriptures and have called it the New Testament of the Bible, attaching it to the Hebraic scriptures, which the Jews already had, which were written by the prophets and Moses. Oh, this is a powerful word. I hope you can receive it. So you're coming to the temple courts to hear the word of the Lord. We're here to hear the word of the Lord because the spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. So this needs to be your flagship scripture. John 6, 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. I'm here to abide and to live directly by the word. Now, the second set of scriptures are like it, and this is part of your flagship scriptures for this every day in the temple courts. And that's Philippians 3. We're going to read it from verse 1, but you'll know when it most applies. But if you have a subtitle Bible, the first thing Apostle Paul is saying there, the subtitle kind of explains the segment. No confidence in the flesh. Why? Because the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. So I don't put confidence in Kevin or what Kevin was or what Kevin can do or what Kevin's natural abilities are. If I put confidence in the flesh, then I lose focus on the spirit. And now the spirit can't do his work in completeness because Kevin knows what Kevin knows and Kevin knows what Kevin can do. And Kevin operates under the influence and direction of Kevin. And Kevin has a history and Kevin is a man and Kevin is 60 and Kevin is black. 
Kevin never went to college and got a four-year bachelor's or a doctorate degree. Kevin never established a career, and Kevin never did this, and Kevin did do this, and he did do that, and Kevin was once a drug addict, and Kev so I know who Kevin is, but who's this other person that's calling himself an apostle? That person can't put any confidence in the flesh because the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Kevin was flesh. So Kevin has to die so that the new name can arise. Finally, my brothers, Philippians chapter 3, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, that's a command. So first thing, I'm going to put no confidence in the flesh. I'm 60. I'm getting older. I can't do what I used to do. I can't move like I used to move. I used to be a piston, man. I could run from 8 a.m. till 1 a.m. and sleep till 4 a.m. and get up at 5 a.m. and run again. I was unstoppable. I was a, I was a, I was a specimen in, in, in human fire. Okay? Now I'm getting older and I'm getting slower. And my years are coming to an end. But I put no confidence in the flesh. So finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice because the flesh counts for nothing. The spirit is everything. Because guess what? When I was young and vibrant and energetic and had all this power and ability and all this unbelievable amounts of energy, I was still Kevin. But now, look at me. Listen to me. I'm not trying to say, look at me, Kevin, or look at or listen to me, Kevin. I'm saying there's a spiritual movement of God going on in my life that wasn't going on when I was so powerful in the flesh. For in man's weakness, God's power is made more excellent. So I rejoice. Why? Because I put no confidence in the flesh. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. See, I'm in the Lord, so I'm rejoicing. I'm not rejoicing because I'm an apostle. That is not something to rejoice about. I'm not rejoicing because my name is written in the book of life. That is something to rejoice about, but I'm not really rejoicing in that. I'm not rejoicing in ministry. I'm not rejoicing in any aspect of my natural being or my natural existence. All of those things are temporary and momentary and shall pass away. But I'm in the Lord. Rejoice not that the demons listen to you, but that your name is written in the book of life. Which means you're in the Lord, which is what he was talking about. So when I say I don't rejoice that my name is written in the book of life, I'm not trying to poo-poo the words of Christ. I'm saying that there's a fine distinction between me reveling in being saved and me reveling in being in the Lord. Because to me, the relationship is more important than the outcome. I'll say it again. The relationship is more important than the outcome. But God is faithful, and so there will be a righteous outcome as long as I put the relationship first. If I put the outcome first, I could lose focus on the relationship like the Pharisees. But if I put the relationship first, then I shall not lose focus because the relationship is everything to me. Am I with you, Jesus? Are you with me, Jesus? Are you happy with me, Jesus? What I got to do, Jesus, to be in a better alignment with you, Jesus, that's my only interest. The outcome I'm going to leave in your hands because you're the keeper of my soul. So therefore, I worry not because he has a perfect character and I rejoice. And it is no trouble for me to say these things to you 
again and again, for they only serve as a safeguard to you. Now, I want you to watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we, we who have a relationship with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, who are the circumcision, those circumcised by the heart, not just by the physical body. We who worship by the Spirit of God, you can't worship by the Spirit of God if you don't have the Spirit of God, and who glory in Christ Jesus, whose blood gave us the ability to be in the Spirit of God. And so he came and he put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, Paul now speaking, have a reason to have confidence. If one could have confidence in the flesh, I myself have a reason for it. For if anyone thinks he has a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more of a reason. This is Apostle Paul talking. Because I was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Israel. Excuse me. I was circumcised of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law of Pharisees, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider completely a loss for the sake of Christ Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. What are your skill sets? What do you know about yourself? Consider it rubbish that you might gain to know Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, whatever ability I have, I consider it pure rubbish, that I might seek the righteousness of Christ. Not a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, for Paul was a Pharisee among Pharisee, as far as persecuting, as far as zeal, persecuting the church, and as far as uh, birthright, he was of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. So he says, I don't have a righteousness that comes from all that, but that which is through faith in Christ. What do you have? Degrees, pedigrees, title, beauty, height, physical ability, agility, skill. What do you have? Consider it all rubbish that you might not establish a righteousness off of the abilities that you have associated with your old name, that you might be able to take on this new name, which will give you a greater level of righteousness than you could have ever amassed on your own. Now being found in him, found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own, born of my own ability, which comes from the law or whatever skill set I might have, but that which is through faith in Christ. So now my faith becomes everything, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want you to know Christ, and you're never going to know him without doing this what I just told you. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And you will never understand Christ completely or the power of his resurrection until you're ready to put no confidence in the flesh. And all of us put some confidence in the flesh. And at every level of glory, we got to shake off some more flesh. There's flesh to be peeled off till the day we die or Jesus comes back. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I want you to understand something, brothers and sisters. It's not that I've obtained all this already, or I've somehow been made perfect in these things I just said. But this is what I do. I press to take hold. I press. That's an action word. Every day in the temple courts is an action. But I press on. I don't go backwards. I don't stay still. I'm not stagnant waters. I'm a running, fresh, sweet water spring with no salt. 
but I press on to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me. Brothers, I haven't yet achieved all this. I haven't yet totally taken hold. What I said was I press on to take hold, but actually I haven't fully taken hold yet. But this is the one thing I do. This is what you have to do. This is why I'm saying these are your flagship scriptures. And it's not going to change. It's These are going to be your flagship scriptures for the rest of your life so that you can go from glory to glory to ever-increasing glory until the fullness of Christ. Forgetting what's behind. What's behind is now in the flesh. The spirit is life. The flesh is death. Yesterday's dead. Ten seconds ago was dead. An hour ago is dead. So definitely five, ten, fifteen years ago is dead. I don't put any confidence in the death. I put confidence in the life. The flesh is death, but the spirit is life. Now, brothers, I don't consider myself to have yet have taken hold of it, but this is the one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on. So I press to take hold and I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which has been, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 15a, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Now, any of you who are immature, God, pray to God. He'll make this truth clear to you. Only do this, live up to what you've already obtained as you grow ever wiser about the meaning of this word. So if I were you, I'd write it down. Your flagship scriptures are John 6, 63. And your other flagship scriptures, which go along with it, is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. 1 through 16. Philippians 3, 1 through 16. These are your flagship scriptures. Now that we've read the flagship scriptures, let's go into the deeper consciousness that God has for you. Hallelujah. There's a deeper consciousness. When the Father made himself apparent unto man, he appeared as a loving, compassionate Father in perfect community. But he was looking for love from us, and he left the test of our commitment and our love. We failed the test of our commitment and our love, and then our Father started to appear to be this composite of love and justice. And in his love, he gave us a plan and in his justice, he had to execute the plan to the point of surrendering the life of his son. That we might also come to know, not only was it his justice, but it also was a lesson to us to know the perfection of our father's justice. And so he came bringing love and justice, something we had a difficult time understanding. The Jews in Israel had a difficult time understanding in the promised land, and they ultimately had to give birth to a son. But the son came the Father was pure righteousness and pure holiness. It was for the sake of his love that we still are around. But he's pure righteousness, pure justice, pure holiness, pure love. But the Son came as pure grace. Yes, the Son came as pure grace. He said, Behold, the year of the Lord's favor. I've come to preach the good news. The good news. Come on, the good news. You say, good news? Yes, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we're now freed from the edict of death. And Jesus came to be the God of grace. 
He said, there is a, I do not come to judge the world. I come to save the world. There is a judge that will judge you on the last day. And it'll be the words that I've spoken to you. But right now, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this prophetic year has multiple meanings. One meaning is this is the season that he's on earth to bring the favor. And anybody who followed him at that time would gain, would gain great understanding. It was also the year of the Lord's favor because he ultimately sent his Holy Spirit at the festival of Pentecost, 33 CE. It's also the year of the Lord's favor that there's still an opportunity to be saved up until the cutoff point. So all these things are part of this prophetic year. And he was referring to all of them when he said, the good news. You say, well, how do you know? Well, he told the apostles to go preach the good news. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. Still good news. And we're here to preach the good news. Now, Christ was stern to a certain measure. He was grace, gracious to a certain measure. He was loving to a certain measure. He was disciplining to a certain measure. And he was obedient to a full measure. And he was in alignment in all of his measures, to an equal measure, to the proper measure. Now, how many of us know what that is? I don't. That's why I'm every day in the temple courts. That's why I'm every day praying, fasting, word, worship, fellowship. And the one thing that I'm doing is letting go of the ignorances of my past to move forward to the wisdoms of the future as I grow into an ever-increasing glory until the fullness of Christ. Putting no confidence in the flesh, I believe whatever the word says I can believe, and I walk in whatever the Spirit has directed me to walk without regard to yesterday's failing other than to humble myself and apologize and to repent in the areas where I've failed, and the areas in which I've excelled, only to not boast in that excelling, because all I did was seek alignment. What measure grace? What measure discipline? What measure sternness? What measure love? What measure correction? What measure rebuke? Do you know? Because I don't know. But that's why I'm every day in the temple courts, to come into a greater and ever-increasing consciousness of Christ. That which you think you know, maybe you ought to carry yourself like you don't know, that you might come to better know it more. That's another teaching of Apostle Paul. See, we're coming here in the temple courts to learn about the consciousness of Christ Jesus. In part, Christ brought his consciousness, but he brought it in perfection without a sinful nature. So he then appointed these apostles to operate as his founding fathers, as the fundamentalists who established the fundamental principles of Christ, in order that we might have the words, John 6, 63, part B, that is spirit and life. See, every day in the temple courts, we're receiving alignment, spirit and life. And that alignment allows us to stay tuned in so that we can hear the voice of God as he moves in us and through us and lifts us and directs us and orders our steps to a glory and to an ever-increasing glory. Now, I've been assigned an assi assignment before God, and I have, I guess I was assigned this assignment because I'm this way, because God loves to use a person who loves people, because if he uses a person that's harsh, then they'll overexert his power. But I do have a measure of authority. And I tell you that I do have eyes to see. And I'm telling you that God reveals to me that there are many who will run away from the Lord while they're claiming that they're in the Lord. Let that not be you. If you want to go from glory to glory to ever-increasing glory, never run away from God. Where are you going? 
Where can you go? Some people, they run away from God. They're very smooth. They're very artfully. They're very crafty at avoiding the, con the convictions of the Lord. They think somehow by avoiding these convictions that somehow they're going to be better off by avoiding the convictions. But all that you're subjecting yourself to when you avoid conviction is to get caught up in a spirit of delusion. So the Lord has given me a measure of insight and wisdom. And I ask the Lord and I, I constantly ponder these things. And I'm like, God, why is it when you reveal and I know it's you, you're giving these revelations about Jesus and you know, I've questioned it over the years, but you've come through all the time. And I'm just like, why do people behave this way? And God shows me, he says, yeah, because they don't want to face their rebellion. They don't want to face their disobedience. They don't want to face what they don't want to give up. And he also tells me, and by the way, you're also no different. And I have to keep pulling you back too, because you're also another one that likes to run away. We got to leave that running spirit behind. We're going to run. Let's run the race toward God, not run away from God. When you hear his voice, humble your hearts. Do not get into a spirit of rebellion like they did and perished in the desert. So you're looking for alignment. We're learning the measure of Christ. Now, learning the measure in and of itself is not something you can one off and use because that just becomes another form of legalism. Learning the measure is like tuning a radio. You ever, some of you are, might know this. Those of you who don't, you just have to take my word for it. Back in the day, before all this digital, we used a lot of analog stuff. And there were some stations that were hard to tune into because I guess they were either close to other stations or whatever the reason. And so on the, the hi-fis, in other words, you might have a, an amplifier. You might have a radio tuner or an amp. It may be, you know, in an expensive one, but the hi-fis had two tuning knobs. They had the broad knob, which would allow you to sweep the whole bandwidth really quickly. Then they had the fine-tuning knob, which would allow you to isolate it and get in. The if you're even the slightest bit off of tune, then it might affect the quality of the sound. And see, in this hi-fi system, it was so perfect at trying to reproduce the sound that if you weren't perfectly tuned, you would hear a distortion. You see, the words of God, the words of Christ is life, not because you follow them legalistically. The Pharisees followed them legalistically and got nowhere. No, the words of Christ became powerful in aligning you in the spirit so that now, after Pentecost 33 CE, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is now with you. And now, as God is showing you, training you how to tune your radio by way of the word of God, you're tapping into a station. Now, that station plays all day, even though you may have spent only a temporary period of time learning how to tune the radio. So, when you have a situation where you can only survive in the church. You hear me constantly quote the statement that Jay-Z made. It was a very damning statement that he made. Everybody kind of likes the song, but I kind of lost the like of the song because of the words he said about the church. And I'm like, I don't know how I could really like a song that really is blasting my father's house. But he said, life begins when the church service ends. He didn't say that to mean carry the church in your life. That's not what he was trying to say. He was slamming the church. He says, you church people 
have no practical wisdom, you have no common sense, you have no ability to function in life, and so you act one way in the streets and you act another way in the church because your church is like a joke. You guys go there and you worship a God that doesn't do anything for you and with you. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus, but that's what he was trying to say. And so life begins when the church service ends. Like, let's get to real stuff. You're, you're, you're a non-essential church. We heard that in the pandemic, right? We're a non-essentials. Liquor store was an essential, but the church was a non-essential. America will not be allowed to forget that as long as I'm alive. That during a worldwide pandemic in which life was being sacrificed, you got on your dollar bill in God we trust. But you kept the liquor stores open during the pandemic and you closed the churches. <laughs> Can that make any kind of sense? And so you are not going to learn this way where you learn some words and you do some worship and then you go on about your business <laughs> and then it has no meaning in your life. What we're working on here is helping you to flow in the spirit. Flow in the spirit, you need to gird the loins of your mind, the birthing place of your thought, which will also help drive your heart, which is the compassion of your soul. And so you love Jesus and you need to know him. You need to come closer to him. You need to hear his voice. And so his words teach you to seek him on all occasions and throw up all kinds of prayers and petitions for the one who can save your soul and give you hope. And so it's a consciousness that you're tuning into every morning, every day in the temple courts, learning how to come into alignment with the spirit of God that's within you. And that station plays all day, <clears throat> even though you might only spend a small amount of time learning how to tune the radio once you get the station, it plays all day. And so I encourage you, each and every one of you, to take on this new glory, to take on this new space. You're becoming like him. Like him in your thought process. Like him in your passion. And we're meeting here every day in the temple courts to learn more about him so that I can identify his voice, so I can identify his person, so I can identify his movement in my life. So that I can identify my next steps from my husband, from my wife, from my children, from my neighbors, from my community, from my borough, from my city, from my state, from my country, from my continent, for the world. For the Lord has said, you are a lamp. Now, no one takes a lamp and put it under a table. No, they take a lamp and they put it on top of the table that the light may shine for all to see. Father Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We pray that your glory and your majesty and your strength and your power continue to flow, my God, in this season, Lord. I pray, Father God, against the spirit of offense and the lies of the enemy, which are always trying to turn words that you are giving as a negative force, just as he tried to convince Eve not eating the fruit of that tree was a negative force. But Father, may we always take positive energy out of everything, correction, rebuke, edification, discipline, whatever it might be. May we always receive it as a positive because it's moving us into a better consciousness of Christ. And we plead the blood of Jesus over every aspect of our being that we might be humble and broken and yielded before you, that you might have your way in our life. And we're walking in a spirit of expectation, Dad, that you're going to do something today. We thank you for these things, Lord, 
in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God say, Amen. 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 Praise God, saints. Have a great morning. You like, you like,